Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome in. Welcome to episode 48 of WFS, The Will Ford Show. Winter break is finally here for me. I've just, I finished up my exams on Thursday. Yesterday was my first official day off. Uh, and uh, I've got, I've got a month off and, and I'm really just looking forward to just having a break from school and having more time to do this. And, and man, it's just nice to just have a break and just relax and, and just have some fun, man. And, and just, you know, take a breather. It's, it's great. Uh, we've got some Saturday football this weekend. We've got, uh, you know, Christmas is coming up in 10 days. That's pretty crazy to think. It just seems like, seems like Christmas like was two weeks ago. Kind of like it just time flies by really fast. That's we're, we're getting close to playoff time man. and football and NBA is, you know, it's picking up a little bit. We're getting closer to this, those Christmas day games. And once after Christmas hits, you're going to start getting into that trade deadline talk and, and which we already had one trade in the NBA so far. We'll get into that in a, a little bit. But, I mean, sports are, are nice right now. Sports are nice. So let's go ahead and jump into it. Um, so we've been we've been talking about the Lakers. The Lakers are you know are always going to be a a headline story. A lot of shows and radio shows and TV shows are going to lead with the Lakers, lead with LeBron, even in the middle of the NFL season. LeBron's going to lead off some a lot of shows in the country. And, um, you know, what we've been talking about is like, who's going to be that next star? Who's going to be that number two to LeBron? Who are they going to bring in in the offseason? And what young guys are they going to have to trade away uh, in order to find out who that number two guy is, that ne- that next superstar b- beside LeBron, and and what young guys are they going to keep? And I think the Lakers, in the last week or so, the last week or two, I think they found out who their number two is to LeBron right now, and it's Kyle Kuzma. Kyle Kuzma over the last month. And this is also without Brandon Ingram. Without Brandon Ingram in the lineup the past week or so due to injury, Kyle Kuzma has really popped. He's averaging over 22 a game. Shooting percentage from three uh, this month is 39%. He's shooting the ball just a lot better and, and it's just been really efficient. And Brandon Ingram, when he's been in, Hasn't really popped like a lot of people thought he would. I thought he was going to be the the second best player on the team this year. A lot of other people did. And I I don't think Brandon Ingram has proven to be that guy. I actually think Brandon Brandon Ingram's growth has been stunted by LeBron's arrival to to LA rather than um, nurtured. Brandon Ingram's a guy who needs the ball in his hands. He's not really a catch and shoot guy. He's more of a create his own shot guy. And LeBron commanding the ball as much as he does kind of hinders from Ingram from doing hinders Ingram from doing that. And I don't think I think that's why Ingram has just not been as good lately and this season altogether. 
Now, Kyle Kuzma is a guy who doesn't need the ball to score. He can he can catch and shoot. He can cut to the basket. And Ingram, without Ingram or and Kuzma without Ingram in the lineup has played so much better. And when Ingram and Kuzma do play, neither of them play that great. They take turns, kind of having you know decent games. But I think we, we what we've learned and what the Lakers have learned over the past week or so is that Kyle Kuzma is your number two. And now you know which players you can trade and which players you can't. Obviously, LeBron is your building block for the next four years. And Kyle Kuzma, since he's the number two, he's got to be off limits as well. And that means virtually anybody else on the team that you can trade is on the table. You can go get a guy like an Anthony Davis, or you can go get, you know, well, you're really playing for free agency, but you can go trade for a guy like Anthony Davis, or you can trade some of those pieces away to sign, you know, free up some space to sign another player in the offseason. Uh, Ingram is certainly a guy that I would look into trading. You can trade Lonzo if you wanted to. Although, I'm not sure if I'm totally behind that that idea because that leaves Rondo, and Rondo's not a long-term guy for the Lakers, being on a one-year contract. Lonzo, I think, is a guy you can keep. But, I mean, you could move him. You don't need him with Kuzma being the number two. Uh, You could trade guys. You could could trade Josh Hart. Uh, I like Josh Hart a lot. I think he helps that team, you know, in the starting lineup and coming off the bench. I think he's he's a good... Um, offensive player and defensive player, um, but you could certainly throw him in a deal. But now that you know Kyle Kuzma is your is your number two, that makes him untradeable, and that puts everyone else on the block. You could trade anyone else on that team. I'd probably hold on to either Lonzo or Josh Hart if I was going to keep one other guy, but the rest. The rest of those guys can can be shipped off and you can bring in another star this season or you can hold on to those chips and then unload during the offseason. It's really up to the Lakers how they want to do it, when they want to do it. But the Lakers now know who who their top guy is besides LeBron. Everyone else is tradable besides Kyle Kuzma. And speaking of trades... We had our first trade of the NBA season yesterday. It was actually like a, I'll just explain the situation. So uh, a lot of teams have been looking into acquiring Trevor Ariza from the Phoenix Suns. The Lakers were, the Rockets were trying to get him back. Uh, the, the Wizards emerged as a team that wanted him. And so a three-team deal was put together yesterday between the Suns, Grizzlies, and Wizards, where Ariza would go to the Wizards, uh, Kelly Oubre, and Austin Rivers were going... See, Austin Rivers was going to go to the Suns, and Kelly Oubre, along with a couple picks, were going to go to the Grizzlies, I believe. And then the Grizzlies were going to send Marshawn Brooks... To Phoenix as well. I'm going to pull up the trade here. Let's see if I can. 
if I can find this trade. Let's see. All right. So Trevor Ariza was going to head to the Wizards. Kelly Oubre was going to go to the Grizzlies. And Austin Rivers was going to go to the Suns. Uh, along with that, Wayne Seldon and Marshawn Brooks were going to go to the Suns. And 2019 and 2020 Grizzlies second-round picks were going to go to the Wizards. And then this trade fell through because the Suns thought they were getting Dylan Brooks from the Grizzlies, not Marshawn Brooks. So that just simple error in communication uh, made this trade fall through. And the Grizzlies GM said he never talked to the Suns GM about Dylan Brooks and was very surprised to hear rumors that he was supposedly involved. So after that fell through, the Wizards and the Suns decided to construct a new deal and they traded Trevor Ariza for Kelly Oubre and Austin Rivers. Kind of, I don't, I don't understand that deal for, I really don't understand it as far as the Wizards standpoint. I don't understand why you're giving up Oubre, who's a nice young player and then Rivers, who's been, he's been in the league a while. And then you get in, you know, an aging forward who's a good three and D guy, but I mean, he's aging. Um, I don't really understand it from that point, that standpoint. I think you could have gotten better offers elsewhere. Uh, like for a, 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 a better player than Ariza. It, it makes sense for a team who's trying to make a championship push, but I mean, the this Wizards team is not very good. They're not a very good team. So I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I love it for the Suns though. Getting Kelly Oubre and Austin Rivers for Ariza. You're just adding to a young team. I like it. I like it a lot. But that's our first trade of the NBA season. And as we get past Christmas and closer to the trade deadline, we'll obviously have a ton more. Stars will get traded everywhere. But that's the first domino. We'll see what which domino is the next to fall. All right. So over to the NFL. We're we're getting late in the season, man. Every game is beginning to matter for a lot of teams. Um, the Chargers Chiefs game on Thursday night was an absolute thrilling game. Chargers down fourteen in the fourth. They came back and won it. Went for two with four seconds left to win the game, and they got it and on a on a blown coverage by the Chiefs. And it was just an incredible game to watch. Um. And I didn't make a prediction on this game. On this game, uh, I, I forgot to make a prediction in, in episode forty-seven. Um, but I think a lot of you know I would have taken the Chargers. You know I'm high on the Chargers this year. I love the Chargers. They're my AFC Super Bowl pick. I would have taken the Chargers in this game had I made a prediction. Um, I may not have predicted the way it ended in the score, but I definitely would have taken the Chargers. Um. But so that, since the Chargers won, this kind of has potentially some major playoff implications. Uh, the Chiefs and the Chargers are now tied for first in the AFC West. 
However, the Chiefs hold the tiebreaker in the division. And because uh, they, they have, the Chiefs have a better division record. Chargers have lost to the Broncos and the Chiefs, and the Chiefs have only lost to the Chargers. And if the, if the Chiefs were to win out, win the rest of their games, they will win the division and be first seed in the AFC. And if the Chargers, or the Chargers would obviously have to win out, and then the Chiefs would have to lose two of their next, actually, one of the next three games uh, to be the fifth seed in the AFC playoffs. I mean, this is huge because you could have potentially a 12 and four team or 13 and three team as a fifth seed in the AFC just because of, you know, division leaders being top four seeds. So it's, Really, really interesting, and I'm interested to see how this this unfolds. Uh, if I had to make a prediction, I'm gonna say that the the Chiefs are probably gonna win out just because they hold the tiebreaker, and and as long as they stay tied with the with the uh, Chargers, then they're gonna have that division title and they're going to be the first seed. If we pull up the Chiefs schedule here, the last two games of their season, oh yeah, so they only have two games, if not three, that's my bad. Um, Chiefs play the Seahawks next week and then they play the Raiders to close out the season. They could easily lose to the Seahawks. I can see them losing to the Seahawks. And then the Raiders, I would like to think they would win that game unless they decide to rest players, which I don't think they will because if they lose one of the next three, they're done. Or one of the next two, unless the Chargers lose. And then if you take a look at the Chargers schedule, let's take a look. They play the Ravens, which is a very losable game. And then they play the Broncos to close out the season, and they lost to them earlier in the season. And the Broncos are fighting for a playoff spot right now. So two losable games for the Chargers. Chargers win those two, and then the Chiefs lose against the Seahawks. Chargers will be staring down the barrel of first seed in the AFC and hosting the uh, the playoffs. Uh, it could host the AFC Championship, which is crazy. But if I had to make a prediction on that, I'm going to say the Chiefs went out just because of the schedule. And they'll stay first seed in the AFC. Chargers will be fifth. But the Chargers are going to be a, a problem for any team. They've shown they can win on the road, that they're good at home. And really, at home is really an away game for them because you know they're playing at a soccer stadium. They're not even... And they don't even have fans filling the seats. It's basically like an away game. Um, they're, they're basically the best road team in the league playing on the road every week. So I, I, it's a huge edge to the Chargers if they were to be the fifth seed and and go on the road for the entirety of the playoffs. It would be a, it would be unfortunate for them, but I think they're the best equipped team and most well equipped to be able to do it. 
But this game has really made things interesting in the AFC. All right. So being the end of this near the end of the season, we've got some huge storylines that have unfolded over the last couple of days, last week or so. Carson Wentz and the struggling Eagles, they're likely going they're they're not going to win their division. They're likely going to miss the playoffs. They still have a shot. They can be a wild card. But Carson Wentz has a fractured vertebra in his back, and he is out versus the Rams and could potentially be out for the rest of the season, which means Nick Foles is going to step in. And this is funny because Nick Foles came in against the Rams last year when Wentz went down, won the game, and then they ended up winning the Super Bowl. Nick Foles is, is bringing... He's bringing the the underdog mentality back. And if they were to go into uh, L.A. and beat the Rams with Nick Foles and then win out the rest of the season, become a wild card spot with some help, they're a team that I wouldn't want to play. If the, I'm a Cowboys fan. If I had to play the, the Eagles again, I know we're going to lose. History tells us that if you beat a team, a division team twice in the regular season and then you play in the playoffs, you will not, or most of the time, you will not beat them the third time. It just, it rarely ever happens where you beat the same team three times in a season. It never happens. And Nick Foles, he's bringing that underdog mentality back, and and teams are not going to be believing in the Eagles. They're not going to. They're not going to pick them to win any games, and that's kind of how it was last year. And they ended up winning it all. So, underdogs could potentially be back, man. And with the Rams kind of struggling right now, I really, I really wouldn't put put it past Nick Foles to go in there and, and beat the Rams. I really wouldn't put it past them. Uh, and then the Steelers lost to the Raiders. Let that sink in for a minute. They lost to the Raiders last week. Big Ben sat a quarter and a half with a rib injury. And Chris Boswell, their, their kicker sucks. I think that's what we've learned this season and in that game. Missed the field goal earlier in the game and then slipped and fell on the game-tying field goal. The Steelers drew up a beautiful play in the last 15 seconds of the game to get them in field goal range. And then Chris Boswell slips and falls on a field goal attempt and loses the game. The 2-10 and 10 Raiders beat the Steelers. Unbelievable. That's unbelievable. It's no excuse. There's no excuse. And, and and Big Ben needs to just suck it up and play. Big Ben just needs to suck it up and play. You said a quarter and a half. Uh, like, he was cleared to play. Mike Tomlin said he was okay. He was fine. He just didn't put him back in. Why? He's your quarterback. What do you think Josh Dobbs is, is going to just go in there, no warm-up, and, and win you a game? No, that's not fair. That wouldn't be fair to expect that from him. 
That just wouldn't be fair. Steelers drew up a beautiful play to get them in field goal range. A nice little hook and ladder. Yeah, James Washington catch a hitch route and toss it to Juju Smith-Schuster, and Juju ran all the way inside the 30. 40-yard field goal for the tie, sent it to overtime. Boswell slips and falls. It was in Oakland. There's no, There was no dirt. There was no sand where he was. Slipped and fell. There's no excuse for that. And Boswell's had a terrible season. I cannot believe the Steelers are sticking with him. He sucks. But I don't know. I don't know. And on the other side of this game, for the Raiders, Martavis Bryant, I believe Martavis Bryant's been out for a little bit. I mean, we haven't heard much about him. But he's been suspended again for violating the league's substance abuse policy. And that's like the 18th time that's happened to Martavis Bryant. And quite frankly, he should just be banned for life. I'm pretty sure that's the rule anyways. Once you're banned, once you get suspended so many times for violating the substance abuse policy, you're, you're banned for life. I'm, I, if I'm not mistaken. So I, I, I don't know. But Martavis Bryant was a pretty talented player in Pittsburgh for for a little bit before he had those problems. Excellent deep threat. He's pretty fast for as tall as he is as well. He's he's got the talent and he just can't put it all together. Can't stay off the weed. And uh, he should just be banned for life. Uh, it's just that's my take on it. That's my take. All right. Just going to keep moving on to the next one. Uh, The Vikings took on the Seahawks on Monday Night Football the other night. And the Seahawks won the game. Uh, But I think the big story wasn't necessarily what the Seahawks did, but what Kirk Cousins didn't do. Kirk Cousins has struggled mightily this season and this Vikings team has really underperformed and as good as their and as talented as their team is that defense the running backs they have the receivers the skill players it's it hasn't just it hasn't worked out for the Vikings this year and I think it's proven that they overpaid for a mediocre quarterback in Kirk Cousins. They, I mean, it was over $84 million, three years, fully guaranteed. You cannot get out of that contract. No team is going to trade for him. And if you cut him, you're just eating all of that money. So you might as well keep him because he's, he's at least half decent. But I think this proves, this proves that Keenum, Case Keenum, would have been the better quarterback to move forward with, at least in the short term. Uh, Keenum was a better fit with the team last year. He made plays when he needed to. Kirk Cousins doesn't make those big plays in primetime moments. And 
Kirk Cousins is a is a volume passer. He needs a lot of passes uh, in a game, and he needs to be in an offense that's very pass centric. And Keenum doesn't need that. Right now, the Vikings are a run first offense, and they they ask their quarterback to to make plays on third down. And Kirk Cousins is used to to doing his damage on first and second down. And and Mike Zimmer is a defensive coach. He's a f- defensive-minded coach, defense first, running game, and then pass on third down, make plays there. And that's not what Kirk Cousins is. He doesn't fit the scheme of the Vikings. He doesn't make the big plays when he's needed to. And quite frankly, I don't think he's any better better than Case Keenum. He might be he's slightly better than Case Keenum. But Case Keenum's a better fit for that Vikings team. The Vikings would be far better with Case Keenum. Probably the best or second best team in the NFC. And uh, that's in my prediction or in my uh in my opinion. I mean, we obviously don't know and we won't know. Last year could have been a fluke, but I I have reason to believe the Vikings would have been pretty good with Case Keenum at quarterback. And he would have been far cheaper. You probably only would have had to pay Case Keenum about $18 million a year. 18 to $20 million. I think that was a more than fair price. Not all of it has to be guaranteed so you can get out of the contract if need be. And you can build your team around Case Keenum. And, you know, Kirk Cousins has just completely handicapped the Vikings from a financial standpoint. That fully guaranteed money can't be moved off of, and so now you can't you can't sign some of your better players and 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 nail them down, and you can't build around your quarterback and make the offensive line better and and things like that. I mean, the Vikings are trapped. This this Vikings team is underperformed. They haven't been very good. Should be one of the best teams in the league, and they just. They're just not a very good team, and Kirk Cousins is not a very good quarterback. Case Keenum, far better fit, far better value, far less money, and would be a far better team. And I think it just proves why quarterbacks in general are overpaid for. I think Aaron Rodgers is overpaid. Yes, he's probably the best one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Top two or three quarterback in the league. But he's 34. He's got two collarbone surgeries. He's got some injury issues. And, you know, it significantly reduces the amount of money you have to build around Aaron Rodgers. The Packers organization does a terrible job of keeping players. And now they just don't have the money to to go get players. <laughs> Jimmy Garoppolo may be overpaid. He hasn't even played a full season. And he's making 137 million dollars over 5 years. It's Matt Ryan is overpaid. He's making 30 million dollars. Matt Ryan I think is a B quarterback, B maybe B plus, maybe. 
I think quarterbacks in general are overpaid for, overvalued. Although they're the most important position on the field, I think they're overpaid for. And they've got a the new collective bargaining agreement for the NFL has got to come up with a way to to separate the salary of NFL quarterbacks from the rest of the cap just because it takes up so much because it's the most important position. Because players who deserve to be paid 10 to 15 to 20 million dollars can't get paid as such because of how much teams pay their quarterbacks. If there's some way that they can remove the quarterback from the cap or just or raise the cap even uh, and allow only so much to be allocated towards a quarterback. I think that would be better for all teams in order to keep their players. I mean, if you, I think the perfect, one of the perfect scenarios is the Dallas Cowboys right now. Dak's going to be getting paid here in a year's time. And a lot of people think he's going to get paid $28 million. He's not worth $28 million. But because of the way he's he's played this year, he's had a pretty solid season. And he's beaten some really good teams and he's going to get paid $28 million. If you pay him $28 million, you know, Amari Cooper's coming up next year. You're going to have to pay him with what he's done this year. Ezekiel Elliott's going to be coming up. Leighton Van Der Esch and Jalen Smith are going to be... You know, Van Der Esch is only coming up in another three years. But Jalen Smith's got another year or so on his deal. And you've got your young corners you got to take care of. Your offensive line. If you've got to re-sign some of those guys. Uh, Beasley is coming up. And you maybe, maybe you want to save some money to go get a, a, a top-tier tight end that may be a free agent in the next year or so. It's That's a tough situation. Because Amari Cooper has proven that he should be paid you know, around $14 million. Dak, I think, needs to have the presence of mind to realize he's not worth 28 and he knows that there's so many good players around him that he needs to be successful. Dak should probably only take 22, 23 at the most. And that's just a perfect situation and scenario to look at. That's one of the best scenarios you can look at and, and you can see that if you pay that quarterback that much money you won't be able to keep some of your better players so if the NFL can find a way to change the cap or manipulate it in a way that allows players to keep or allows teams to keep their best players while also paying their quarterback I think it would be very beneficial for the league and beneficial for a lot of players to earn their money Um, all right. So moving on, we're going to shift gears to this. Uh, so we know the, the rules have changed in the NFL over the last couple of years. We've had roughing the pass or penalties change, helmet to helmet, defenseless receiver, things like that. And Zeke Elliott was one of the first players this season to, to get penalized for initiating contact with his helmet against the Eagles 
and he's the first player to be uh, the first player ever to be fined uh, for this kind of penalty. And I understand the league is trying to make the game safer, but if have they not paid attention over the last couple years that every player who run, besides the quarterback who runs with the football, they're always leading with their helmet or leading with their shoulder to try to create contact and run people over. I mean, remember, I believe it was Trent Richardson on Kurt Coleman uh, so many years, so many odd years ago. And Kurt Cousins, or Kurt Cousins, Kurt Coleman got ran over by Trent Richardson, just plowed him over, knocked his helmet off. And I, I think this is, kind of where this stems from in a way, but players ever since the game was invented really have been leading with their, their heads to try to initiate contact. I mean, it's just how the game's been. And I just, I don't agree with the fines and the, maybe the penalties, the penalties fine if it's really egregious, but I don't think what Zeke did the other day was egregious. Uh, he led with his head, but he hit Corey Graham's shoulder. He didn't hit helmet to helmet. So, it, uh, I understand the rule changes, and I understand they're trying to make the game safer. They're trying to protect from injuries, and they know they've got the the CTE thing looming behind them. It's I understand. But I think the league oftentimes goes too far uh, with some of the, the things they, they decide to do. And this is just one of those things where I don't think Zeke should have been fined for it. Players do it all the time. Zeke's not the only player in the league who leads with his helmet. Every running back in the NFL leads with their helmet on every, every play. Every time they run with the ball, they lead with their helmet. And... I don't like it. I don't want players to leave with their helmet. I want people to be safe and play safe. But I mean, it's football, man. That's what happens. It is what it is. Also, a quick side note. Uh, I'm not going to predict any more Cowboys games for the rest of this season and probably just as long as I do this podcast. Uh, I'm not going to predict any more Cowboys games I know I've predicted them before because they're they're games that are prime time, like the the Sunday night, Monday night, Thursday night games, or maybe a, a America's Game of the Week on Fox. Um, but I'm not going to predict them anymore because over the last several weeks, I've been uh, I've been too biased. I think the fan in me makes me biased, and oftentimes I'm making predictions based on what I don't want want to happen, based on superstition. And that's not very good. That's not a very good thing for me to do as a host of a podcast. And and hopefully, if I host my own radio show in the future, that wouldn't be a good thing for me to do in the future. I need to predict objectively, not subjectively. And that's on me. It's just the fan in me that wants my Cowboys to win. You know, I've been suffering for the past 19 years, but that's no excuse. I got to be factual and objective and make predictions based on the numbers and matchups and injuries and, and, and what's going on. And 
So I'm not going to predict any more games for the rest of the season. I may may do it in the playoffs, assuming the Cowboys make the playoffs. Like if it's a huge game uh, in the playoffs. Now, obviously, it was if it was the Super Bowl, I'm not going to predict that. I, I, you know what? I'm just not going to predict any more games. Remainder of the season, remainder of, of this podcast, unless I can figure out a way to just be more objective about it. But definitely for the rest of the season, not going to do any more Cowboys game predictions. Uh, it's just the fan in me, man. That just makes I'm just too biased. And I've just got to leave those games alone and just pick another game that's noteworthy that's that could have an impact on the league. Um, and so with that, we're going to jump into the primetime predictions for week 15. Um, I was gonna, I, I, I forgot, uh, the other day that Saturday, there was going to be some Saturday games. Like I forgot all about it. I was going to predict the Browns Broncos game. I had written here. I was going to take the Browns. I mean, we'll see what the score is. Let's take a live look. Well, not Live. Let's see, the Browns are up 17-16 with under two minutes left in the game, and the Browns have the ball, so fourth and one at the Denver 10, so the Browns are likely going to kick a field goal. We'll, I'll keep an eye on that. Um, Texans won against the Jets earlier today. Texans clinched the division, and the Jets fall to four and nine. Um. But I was going to predict the Browns-Broncos game. I forgot. I, I was thinking it was a Sunday game. Um, so we're, we're going to take that one off the list. Um, so we'll pick another one. I'll do these other three first, and then I'll go back and pick another one. Patriots at Steelers. This is going to be at Heinz Field, 425. Steelers have been playing awful the last couple weeks. Chris Boswell is one of the worst kickers in the league this season. Uh, James Conner is likely going to be out. I think that's going to have an impact. They're going to have to be very throw-heavy, and the Patriots are going to game plan for that. And although the Patriots' secondary is it's not great, I, I think they're going to have a game plan that's going to neutralize Big Ben a little bit. So I like the Patriots in this game. And by the way, for anyone who thinks this is a rivalry, Patriots-Steelers, it's not. It's not a rivalry. Uh, Tom Brady is in, in the last 11 meetings, or maybe it's in the last 13 meetings. He's 11 and 2. I mean, this isn't a rivalry. The Patriots have won more often than not. Let's take a look here at the at the, some of these numbers that I was I was looking at the other day, and I just I thought it was it just made you know it kind of makes you think about it. Um, yeah, so Tom Brady is eleven and two over the past thirteen matchups against the Steelers. This isn't a rivalry. It's it's just that this team is just another team that's in the in the way of Tom Brady on his way to potentially another Super Bowl run. Uh, it's just, that's just what it's been over the last couple of years. They've had have they had some good games, sure, but 
but this isn't a rivalry. You know, a rivalry is pretty even. Even it'd be you know five and five, five and six, or five and five. When I think rivalry, I think Ohio State Michigan. Although that's pretty been that's been pretty much one sided over the last ten years or so. That's the biggest rivalry probably in sports. You've got Yankees Red Sox. You've got Lakers Celtics. Um. Cowboys Steelers is probably a a bigger rivalry just because based on Super Bowl matchups, um, and obviously all division games in in the NFL are rivalries. So to call this this matchup a rivalry, it's not. It just hasn't been. It's been too one. It's just been too lopsided towards the towards the Patriots. Now, th- this game could be a little bit of a speed bump for the Patriots every time they play, you know, because the Steelers are a solid team. They're no, they're, they're, they can beat the Patriots. It might be a bit of a speed bump. They, they, you know, they slow down a little bit and, and really prepare for this game. But every time this team, these teams play, Brady has found a way to win 11 out of 13 times. <laughs> I mean, it's simple as that. This team, this is not a rivalry. I bet you. I bet you, if you looked it up, you wouldn't find any a single word about a Steelers Patriots rivalry. You you wouldn't find anything. When I think rivalry, I think Lakers Celtics, Ohio State Michigan, a Federer Nadal in tennis. Um, you know, it's those are rivalries. Those are matchups that go back and forth. You know, you, it's that's just what it is, and this is this just this isn't. It isn't a isn't a rivalry, and I'm going to take the Patriots against the Steelers this Sunday, and Tom Brady's going to improve to twelve and two against the Steelers in his career. Eagles Rams, we talked about it earlier. Nick Foles is going to start. The underdogs are potentially back. Rams have been struggling. This is in LA. I'm going to take the Rams. I just don't think the Eagles have it this year. They're too, their backs are too far against the wall. Secondary is extremely depleted. Offensive line hasn't been playing as well. They don't have a consistent running game. That's... I, I like the Rams in this one. Get back on track. And I'll take the Rams in this one. And then Saints at Panthers. I think this is actually an interesting game. This one's interesting. Because it's a division game. Panthers right now, they've lost five in a row. They're fighting for their playoff lives right now. Division games are always heated. And... You never know what you can ha- what what can happen on any given Sunday. The Eagles almost beat the Cowboys last week. I think with the Panthers with their backs against the wall, Saints have already clinched their division. I think the Panthers are going to pull this one out and keep them keep themselves alive in the the hunt for the for the NFC playoffs. That uh, one of those. 
two seeds for the wild card. I'm going to take the Panthers in this game. And then we'll pick one more here. Let's see if we can find another game we like. Hmm. Packers at Bears looks interesting. Dolphins and Vikings. Let's see. Dolphins and Vikings. Eh, that's not really a, a. That's not really a headline matchup. Although it's a huge game, because if the Dolphins win, they would almost surely land a wild card spot. I would think. And then the Vikings, if they win, they keep themselves alive for the wild card. Packers and Bears. You know, Packers are still alive for a playoff spot and then the bears you know they're they're potentially there for for first seed in the nfc playoffs i mean that the, the first seed is not set i mean the cowboys can even still land first seed with obviously a lot of help it wouldn't be just as simple as winning out but With the Bears playing at Soldier Field against the Packers, I'll take the Bears in that one, and then we'll we'll do we'll do the Vikings and Dolphins as well. Um, Dolphins Vikings, it's going to be in Minnesota. I think with that crowd in Minnesota, huge game. I'll take the Vikings in that one. So we'll take the uh, Patriots over the Steelers, Rams over the Eagles, Panthers over the Saints. Uh, Packers, sorry, no, Bears over the Packers. And then we'll take the Vikings over the Dolphins. So let me add that to my notes here. Vikings over Dolphins and Bears over Packers. All right, so that's it for for episode 48. That's it for me this week. Uh, Make sure you follow the show on Twitter, at The Will Ford Show. I've followed a lot of people back who followed me, so make sure you follow me, and uh, I may follow you back. Uh, Rate and review the show on iTunes. Like and comment on SoundCloud. I'm trying to get those views back up on SoundCloud. I was getting, you know, over 50 or 60 a couple weeks ago, and then I took about a two-week break. And now I've been hovering around 15 to 20 on some of these episodes. I really want to get those episodes back up to 50. So make sure you guys share this episode with your friends, uh, coworkers, classmates, even though it's winter break, so you're probably all off school. But share with your friends, parents, enemies, coworkers, whoever. Share it with everybody you know. I want to get those listens up. I want to get this pop, this this podcast more popular, get some more listeners. And... You know, it's up to you guys to do that, and it's up to me to put out good content that you guys want to listen to. Um, so follow the show on Twitter, at The Will Ford Show. Rate and review the show on iTunes, like and comment on SoundCloud. Follow me on there as well. Like I said, share with share with everyone you know. We'll see you guys in the next episode. Episode 49 is WFS.